This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, or you tweeted your running back right now. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it. Keeps his balance. We're going to say he stepped out. But I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brunin, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hello. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Man of Time. We'll get to reset this soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 in the hardest working American time zone. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate brought to you by CampusCant.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace. And I'm Felix Sharp on a partisan version of tonight's show. The underdog team to watch in the Big Ten. We dig into the 2023 running back class and we give away some stuff. But we start with Jadon Blue, the consensus top rated running back in the class of 2022, who is committed to Texas. Austin, tell me why I should care about Jadon Blue and the groundbreaking thing that he did recently. So I guess we should start with the groundbreaking thing. And he, as far as I know, you know, there, there might have been some kids that did it this year with the pandemic, but he is the first person, the first uh, high school kid to opt out of his senior year of high school, uh, forego that last year in preparation for college. We've seen guys do it, you know, more and, and more in the college side of things. We finally have it trickling down to high school. Time will tell whether this is something that more guys continue to do. Um, but Blue could get away with it because he is a uh, borderline four-star, five-star kid. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up now that we're not going to have a senior year out of him. But he is committed to Texas. They apparently have honored his commitment no matter what. And so that's where he's headed. Um, Jadon Blue just and, – and I'll go a little bit into him here because um, it's never too early to start – uh, looking at the 2022 freshman class kids, everybody, you know, one a day from now until uh, next off season, you know, you can get, get 300 deep here. Um, Jadon blue is in my opinion, in the same class of a high school running back prospect. As and I do not toss that around lightly. Um, 
but just my, I have my notes open here on Jadon Blue, um, and I'm just going to kind of go through those real quick for you guys. So he is 5'11 and a half. He's 205, and he is about as patient of a running back in high school as you will ever see. He is really happy to let blocks develop as he approaches the line of scrimmage. Um, and he's a very good athlete, but he has clearly developed other, uh, other skills. Um, and, and so he does not just rely on that athletic ability on top of that. He is a very good pass catcher. There's a couple clips of him, um, you know, toe taps along the sideline, um, you know, making all sorts of hands catches. Um, he, one of the better high school players I've seen in that regard at the position, um, and he, he's college size already, you know, five eleven, two Oh five, you put 10 pounds on that kid and he's NFL ready. Um, so he, he's my top back in next year's class entering their senior year. Um, I, and I think he has the potential to be the one Oh one in your 2025 rookie drafts in several years. So he, he's the guy that I'm watching the most in this upcoming class. Matt Bruni, you're there in the heart of Texas. Uh, do you see seniors who've already solidified their recruiting pedigree and made their commitment. Do you see this becoming more of a trend where they're going to sit out their senior year? Uh, before I answer that question, apologies for the audio thing there. Apparently me and Felix are hearing that. So it was a little bit weird there to begin with, but uh, no, I, I think it's going to be the very rare occasion. We see guys like this sit out their senior seasons. I mean, awesome was just mentioning kind of how, Blue is in this class being the number one guy. He's one of the few guys in this 22-22 class that I've had a chance to look at. He's my number one running back as well. And I think the fact that Texas has already said that they're going to hold that commitment for him helps in him making this decision. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of high school prospects that probably have this kind of cachet. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of these players holding out their senior years. College, completely different. But in high school, I mean, I, over the past couple of years, maybe like a Trevor Lawrence. He, I don't even think Justin Fields could have been there because he was injured a little bit in his junior year. I don't think he had quite the cash. He was a high-rated prospect coming into college, but I don't think like a, a Trevor Lawrence or like a Quinn Ewers who's coming into college next year. Those are, I think it's very few and far between of these players that could sit out their senior seasons um, and still go into college highly rated and, and hold the commitments from these schools. I tell you what, if Jadon Blue lives up to the hype, there is zero chance he's going to play his senior year or his junior year at Texas because uh, he playing two years and he's sitting out well, and he's going to wait for the NFL. So I have a question about that. Does that worry you if you're a head coach, knowing that that he's already opted out his senior year? I mean, yeah. So you're you're saying he's going to get two years likely, and I would think if Texas is in the playoff, which there's chances that we will see expanded playoffs by that point in time, 2025 or 2024, whatever it is. Does that worry you at all that there's a guy like Jadon Blue who's going to be, I would think, the anchor of your backfield after Bijan leaves, him possibly not playing in his final year for you in college? I'm always leaning towards players securing the bag. Secure it in high – you can secure it in high school now sitting out, secure it in college. Is it not your junior year? No, that doesn't worry me at all. Um, Jadon Blue is going to – going to te Texas is a public university. We should know what Steve Sarkeesian is making. He's probably got, you know, one, probably one of the highest paid head coaches uh, in the NCAA. Not a lot. No, it doesn't, it doesn't worry. Yeah. It doesn't worry me at all. As a matter of fact, I prefer, I prefer uh, these students taking these met uh, to uh, take these um, tactics to, to preserve their recruiting pedigree, draft capital, whatever it may be. Right. So um, if you type in Steve right. Sarkeesian, 
It's the second option that comes out. First up is Steve Starkeesian's wife, so I'm assuming she's very attractive. I did not click on that one to see. Uh, but second is his salary, $5.2 million a year. That's, That's lower than that I seat. thought it would be. Yeah. All right. Um, a little bit of transfer news. Indiana head coach Tom Allen pulls another transfer, this time Texas A&M wide receiver Cameron Buckley, after already bringing in DJ Matthews from Florida State, wide receiver from Florida State, Stephen Carr, the running back from USC, Jerron Hardy from Auburn, and redshirt offensive lineman Zach Carpenter from Michigan. Matt, um, Tom Allen seems to be building something here, especially on the heels of last season. Is Indiana the second-best team in the Big Ten? I, I would say yes. I mean, if they can continue to build off what they did last year, I mean, that defense was very good last year. Obviously, Michael Penix was kind of the 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 reason that offense was as good as it was, I think, in my opinion. I mean, you go back and look at the, the Ohio State game. That first half, he wasn't good, and they, it almost looked like a completely different player in that second half of that game. Leads him back to almost beating Ohio State uh, in that game. And you look at their schedule, realistically, the only game I see on here obviously being a tough game for them is the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, the other game, Penn State, I don't know how good Penn State's going to be this year. I don't believe in Sean Clifford. I mean, I think James Franklin's a good coach. But outside of that, I'm not sure Penn State's going to be that good. So they get Cincinnati early on, which could be another really big game. I think Cincinnati is going to likely, I think, go undefeated this year. So two really tough games in, on their schedule. But outside of that, nobody else, if they're able to beat Ohio State, they could very easily win that side and end up being into the Big Ten uh, championship game. So, yes, I do think they're the second-best team in the Big Ten at the moment. Austin, um, Indiana may or may not be a destination for kids coming out of high school, but Tom Allen seems like a program builder. Is he someone that you would keep your eye on, like like Matt Campbell at I Iowa State? Uh, if an opportunity opens up around the country, maybe USC, maybe Clay Helton is gone. Um, does you, do you see Tom Allen being a program builder to be on the lookout for? Uh, he's an Indiana kid. He's from Indiana. So, you know, I've never heard him specifically talk about that being his dream job or, you know, doesn't want to be anywhere other than Indiana because I know that's how some of these schools can keep the, you know, keep a coach like that. Um, but yeah, but I, I think the likelihood of him leaving, it would have to be for, for a really big job. Um, just speaking, go ahead. Speaking of Matt Campbell, did you all hear that uh, the Lions offered him eight years, 60 million, and he turned it down? I don't, did anybody hear that? I would too. Why would you want to go coach the Lions? No, no, no offense to you. I'm being serious. Like they don't. Have, Man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot yeah, of money. But I think a guy like Matt Campbell, maybe he only gets that one shot in the NFL. And I don't. I. I just. You don't. I. For me personally, I don't know where the Lions are going. So do you really want to come in right now? on literally probably the ground floor of the Lions and hope that you can build it back up. But if you don't, and this is your one shot in the NFL and you kind of possibly flame out, I, I, I would. that's just my opinion. All right. Let me get back to Tom Allen. Hired in January 2016 as defensive coordinator, elevated to head coach at the end of 2016. Uh, since that time, this is what his recruiting classes have looked like. So 2016, which we're not, we're not going to give him – credit or blame for 53rd in the country 2017 62nd that's the class that included Wap Fillier uh Ty Freifogel Peyton Hendershot who's still there 2018 50th Michael Penix Jr. was in that class 2019 36th and then 2020 57th but then coming off of that season that they had uh last year their 2021 class only ranked 53rd so all that to say 
the Hoosiers, they had a good season last year. And by the way, I called that one. I talk, called them to beat Penn State to start the season, and I said take the points against Ohio State. But it's not amounting to recruiting success. So take that for what it's worth. Indiana is going to be Indiana. And, I mean, for for them to have any sustained success, they would have to return that into recruiting to winning in the recruiting in the uh, in recruiting, and they're just not really doing that right now. So maybe Tom Allen should be commended for getting those recruits to play at a, at their highest possible level and being competitive. But if we're going to talk, let me turn the page a little bit here, or turn the corner. If we're going to talk about program building in the Big Ten, then we we should look at Mike Loxley at Maryland. He was hired on December fourth, twenty eighteen. That 2018 class ranked 28th. That 2019 class ranked 47th in the country. 2021, 31. And then this year's class, 18. That Maryland, D.C., Virginia area is a hotbed for recruiting. That's where Caleb Williams came from. And I think that Caleb Williams was even choosing between Maryland and Oklahoma, ended up going to, to Oklahoma. But let's... I mean, <coughs> I like Maryland. I think I've said it before on this show. I think Maryland is this year's Indiana. Went to Action Network and pulled up the win totals for the Big Ten this year. Those were released here recently. Indiana, um, the number is eight, and Maryland is 5.5. Matt, out of those two, which would you? Which line do you prefer? And are you taking the over uh, over under on it? Ooh, if I had to pick one, man, I just had Indiana's schedule up too. Looking at that, um, I mean Maryland seems like the easy one, but I just don't like that defense, and I'm still not sold on that offense. So I'm gonna take Indiana. I'll take them getting to nine wins. Austin, that's a tough one. I think they both go over actually. Um, and I will say just uh, Indiana next year. So they brought in Donovan McCulley in this year's class quarterback, uh, big athletic kid, six, five, like 200 ish. They have his brother coming in. He's committed next year. He's a very high four-star athlete. Um, he's the highest rated recruit Indiana has ever got. So we'll see if those two can kind of influence some top recruits in 2022 here. And, and it looks like that kid is going to play defensive end. If I've read his profile, McCulley, I think he's a safe, Okay. He's like six five. Yeah, he's a safety. Six five two twenty. He's kind of like the um, mm-hmm. Derwin James type uh, kid coming out of high school. Okay. All right. Um, let's give this a really short thrift here, Bruning. Other transfer news: TJ Finley um, going to Auburn. What percentage chance would you give Finley to take to overtake the future number one overall pick, Bo Nix, as a starter in Auburn? Uh, five percent. Assuming Bo Nix gets hurt, like, I, do people really think TJ Finley's going to beat him out? I mean, he wasn't even that good for LSU last year. I don't, I don't understand what all the hype is about him going to. I understand it's anytime anybody gets a chance to shit on Bo Nix, they do it. But I, I would say Bo Nix is probably the better player. I know that he wasn't there. Um, ha, who's who just took over the team? Why can't I think of his name now? Uh, but it's not obviously Malzahn there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not Moles on there anymore, so he doesn't have obviously. I guess the tie to to Bo Nix, whatever you want to put, but I, I think it's fair to say Bo Nix is a better player. I don't expect him to lose the job. 
I mean, and I should know this because Kyle Francis was talking about how this guy just came over from uh, uh, Boise State. Now he expects Tank Bigsby to get a whole bunch of carries because of his background and what they did with Boy- with what Boise State has always done with their running backs. All right. Um, okay. Bruning, you've been tweeting a few uh, 80, 80p, like who would you rather have type tweets and polls uh, this week, including this one. Uh, which of these freshman quarterbacks would you bet on in your C2C draft, factoring in future production and possible NFL draft capital? You've identified Drake May with an ADP of 99.5, Kyle McCord uh, with the highest of these four options at 86 point, 80, 87, uh, Jackson Dart at 153.25, and then Jake Garcia all the way at 222, Austin. Uh, you feel pretty strongly about Jackson Dart. You and Colin covered this some on the most recent Campus Life show. Why do you feel so strongly about Dart? And for those who don't know, just describe his skill set and what you expect from him as a player. Yeah, so Dart is – he's your typical modern-day pro-style quarterback where, you you know, 10 years ago they would have been a dual threat, but now they're, they're pro-style. Um, just because of you know how the game has shifted a little bit, but he's he's six three two ten, very nice arm, um, throwing motions a little bit wonky, but nothing you know terrible or crazy. Um, and he was a kid that basically came out of nowhere his senior year. He was like the thousandth kid in the composite or something, and and finished as like QB thirteen or something in the rankings uh, when all was said and done. Um, why I feel so strongly about him is because I think you know. Uh, and I, Drake may, we, I think we know this pretty well about him as well, but I think Dart is the next guy at USC. There is basically no doubt. He came in there this year with Miller Moss, but from all reports, he just outperformed the crap out of Miller Moss all spring looked better than Slovis apparently for, for many of the practices Slovis. I don't think Colin, Colin uh, thought that maybe if Slovis looks poor, he'll lose the job. I don't think there's any chance of that, but Dart probably starts next year. You know, it's, and I think he it, it's a big program. USC, there's always going to be talent there around him. I think he has a pro skill set. Um, and so I think and he's when I go through my rankings, he is my last guy that I feel comfortable with. He's like my QB 14 or something that I feel comfortable saying. I think they have NFL upside. Anybody on the other side of him, which includes Garcia, McCord and May. I'm I have more questions about them than I have about Dart. So Dart is 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 kind of my cutoff when I'm doing like a C2C draft or even a deeper Devi. Um, and I, I just think that at, we're as certain as we can be that he's the successful. And I, I like knowing that about him. And granted, I think that I think Drake may probably is too. But I'd just like to come out and uh, thank the McCord Hive for for putting in the votes that they did, because I did not at all expect him to almost win that poll. So uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Much obliged. Very appreciative of that. That's the important thing that you had to add here is the that is the important thing I had to add. <laughs> hey, Austin right. did a great um, job covering Dart. I got nothing to add, so you know, just thank you to the fans. That's all. The uh, the meat of tonight's show is this 2023 running back class. Um, I, you know, I think the word has gotten out that this is a class that you should be excited about. We already have a clear top three at the running back position, however. You want to organize that tier uh, with Bigsby, Gibbs, and 
and Bijan Robinson. We got a beast of a tight end, and the 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 wide receivers. I mean, we've might we've had one breakout. We've had uh, Boutte breakout, and then kind of Raheem Jarrett breakout. But we're still going to see some of those uh, the wide receivers uh, uh, kind of bust out and make names for themselves. But tonight we are talking about specifically about the the running back class because we want to dive um, be uh, uh, dive further than that number four spot. So let's run through our top 10 in the class. Bruning, why don't you give us your seven th- or seven through 10 or start with, start with 10, 10, go up to seven. All right. So my number 10, and I will say, I found this to be a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I, I, you know, we talked a little bit before the show. We feel like there's a little bit of a tear break after a couple of these guys, but there's a couple guys I thought could have fit in here right at around the, the nine ten range. But I decided to go with a couple guys I, I like the upside of, and one of them was at so at ten for me is EJ Smith at Stanford running back, uh, six foot two eight four star out of Dallas, Texas. He's obviously very famously well known for being Emmett Smith's son. He was one of my favorite freshmen to watch last year uh, when I was doing a lot of the uh, freshman profile stuff for Dynasty Nerds. Uh, he was very explosive in high school. He showed good vision, and I liked his uh, lateral agility. I think he lacks a little bit of burst, uh, but I also think he's one of the most versatile athletes we saw on the field in high school, and I think really in college as well. He didn't get to play much last year due to COVID. Stanford missed a couple games uh, because of that, but he played five snaps. Two of them were out wide, and I'm not talking about like in the slot, like literally lined up out wide as a wide receiver. He can run routes. He's also a very good running back. So I talked to obviously last week on the show, one of the guys who helped me uh, beat Austin and Felix, if you guys watch that show, was Austin Jones, who I think is going to be the lead back for them. But I think, don't shake your head, Austin, you lost. And that's that's that. Uh, Austin, uh, Austin Jones, I think, is going to be the lead back for Stanford and is is – not going to give up much to EJ Smith, but I think his versatile playability and his ability to run at wide receiver as well as catch the balls out of the backfield means he's going to get some run this year in that capacity. And then I do expect him to take over the job in 2022. I think he has a chance to be one of those guys that really shoots up draft boards uh, next season once he starts producing. So EJ Smith comes in at 10 for me at nine. I've got Devin, is it a chain? A chain? I'm always horrible with his last name. Uh, A-Chain uh, out of Texas A&M, 5'9", 185, four-star out of Missouri City, Texas. Uh, he's got speed for days. He's a true home run threat. 42% of his carries last year went for 10-plus yards. That's just how good he is. He's also very elusive. 40% of his runs forced a missed tackle in just his 43 rushes. He's a decent receiver out of the backfield as well. Obviously, I'm a little bit worried about his size, as I just mentioned, 5'9", 185, uh, you know, we've we've seen over the past couple of years, especially this year, the NFL showed us that these undersized backs are not being valued as much in the draft anymore. So that does worry me. Obviously, if he's not able to put on any more weight, and I do think it's going to be hard for him to put on 10 to 15 more pounds over the next two years. Regardless, with Spiller leaving next year, I think he's going to get run this year. And then he has a good chance to be the lead back for the Aggies in 2022. So in a C2C league, if you can get really good production out of him next year, maybe you can trade him at that high point before you go into the draft and get something out of him if you don't think he's going to get really good draft capital next up for me is chris moxley's favorite player in college football so this is eight marshawn lloyd five nine two ten four star at a hyattsville i believe maryland uh so shows good initial burst like how he hits the open gap uh very good uh physical runner as well 
excellent at making cuts. I do think he's very elusive for his size as well and decent speed, not a home run hitter, uh, but I do think that he he's got, you know, probably above average speed. And I do think that he's a decent pass catcher out of the backfield as well. Biggest thing for him, obviously, tore his ACL in camp last year. And then the breakout of Kevin Harris, I think, obviously limits his upside in 2021. We've talked a lot about these two guys. I think Kevin Harris is not going away. Even if you think Marshawn Lloyd's the better player, he I, I just don't think Kevin Harris is going to disappear. So they're going to split carries. Gives Marshawn Lloyd a chance to take over the backfield next year, though. And if he produces, I think that helps with you know less work on his legs as well to kind of shoot up the draft board. Uh, I lost my count here. So that was 10, 9, 8. So it's 7. DeMonte Trainum, 5'11", 234 star out of Akron, Ohio. Stand up because, you know, that's what Felix always does with Kalamazoo or Michigan or whatever. So I got to support my Ohio kids. Uh, Austin was talking about this guy before I even knew he existed. Uh, he is very good balance. Uh, I think that he is very difficult to bring down, shows good vision. Uh, I like the way that he makes cutback here, the way he hits cutback lanes. And uh, I do think he's got some. Uh, Decent burst. Worry, I do worry about his long speed, though. He had a good season last year, in my opinion, for only playing in the four games. The four touchdowns averaged just under six yards per carry. I do think that uh, with Jaden Daniels and that offense kind of improving this year, I do love vision. Felix, you have no idea. It's my, my thing for running backs. I love it. Um, but I think with Jaden Daniels and the offense that they're going to run, I think him being at that threat to run the ball as well is going to help open some holes possibly for train him, train him in for a really big year this year as well. And then so seven for me, is that seven or six? Yeah, that's One. it right there. That's okay, seven. I'll stop there. Um, Austin, does uh, does Matt have EJ Smith too high for a player who hasn't done a whole lot? Yeah, I, I'm, EJ Smith's an honorable mention for me, and so is Achain, actually. Achain's my 11, and Smith is my 12. So they're, they're just on my outside looking in. Which tells you how deep this class is, that that's my 11 and 12. There'd be like five and six this year. But do you want me to hop into my go 10? Cool. Yeah, go, go go ahead. And, and by the way, EJ Smith was lining up in the slot in the spring game uh, for, for Stanford and made actually a nice catch over the middle in traffic on a, a like a slant or in route. So uh. I, I, I always wondered if he would actually end up switching to wide receiver because he had such good receiving skills in high school. Um, but maybe his dad has something to say about that. Um, so my number 10 is Jalen Berger, uh, four-star kid in last year's class at Wisconsin. Uh, he is, well, we have a height for him, but Wisconsin is one of those stupid schools that doesn't put a weight down. So I have six foot for him, and I'm assuming he's about 215 or so, um, if I had to guess just from kind of looking at him on tape. Um, he reminds me a lot of James Conner, to be completely honest. that That's definitely my comp for him because he is a little bit of that stiffer upright runner which can work in the in the nfl you know i'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing it's just a style that's how he runs and i, I see a lot of james connor in him um solid footwork not consistent with it though um as you know his running style would uh suggest uh he's a he's a solid athlete for his size you know i don't see any elite athletic characteristics in his profile um but he has you know really good pop he, the long speed's fine um, you know, lateral ability is fine. Burst is fine. It's all kind of just fine, which is why he's number 10 and not anything higher than that. The one thing that he has working for him, well, I mean, he has, I mean, he's a talented kid, but he's, he's a Wisconsin running back. So he's going to get run over the next couple of years. They usually utilize one back. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the back this year, especially with, uh, Nikia Watson leaving. They don't really have a lot else there actually on the depth chart right now. So I expect him to be the guy. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing him kick on a little bit this year. Uh, number nine, I have Demarcus Bowman, 
And this class, I agree with Matt. It's a little hard to rank some of these guys once you get past four or five, just because it's um, it's like it's it's low three star guys that looked really good last year, and then you have like high four star guys that looked great in high school but didn't touch the field for whatever reason last year. So you're kind of weighing all of those factors. Um, Bowman's one of those guys. You know, went to Clemson last year, five star kid, three uh, number three running back in the class. Um, another school that does not list weights. He was 5'10", 190 coming out of high school. And I've, I've heard he's a little over 200 now, which is good. It looks like he can support that kind of weight. Um, very, very athletic kid. You know, he, he's really, really fast. A lot of him ripping really long runs on his high school tape. Um, but we, he didn't touch the field at all. Clemson, he transferred to Florida after about two games. Um, so we, we haven't seen him yet, but I, I, I think I liked him enough in high school. I like his athletic measurables enough. And I like that uh, that situation of Florida for him a little bit, where um, I think he can showcase what he can do there. Number H, Chip Trianum. I agree with pretty much everything Matt said, so I'm not going to go too deep into him. I j- I really really like him, and I think his worst uh, like I, I his worst case scenario is he's David Montgomery, but like slightly bigger in my opinion. Like I I think that's you know because he's not a poor athlete; he's a fine athlete, especially for for 230 pounds. Um, I actually think he moves quite well for that weight. Um, and then my number seven is Marshawn Lloyd. Um, and again, another guy where we didn't see it at all last year because of the knee injury. And we probably won't see it a ton this year. I'm still a huge believer they're going to bring him along fairly slowly this year. It's going to be him. It's going to be um, uh, Chris or, um, uh, Harris there. And, and those two are going to um, kind of split that backfield. Well, I, I can't wait until we see Marshawn Lloyd on the actual field because I keep seeing – uh, gifs and videos of him doing stuff in practice, which it, without pads on and everyone getting excited about it. That said, he is my number 10 running back in this class. Um, not the athlete that Kevin Harris is, but he is a more or is identified as a more instinctive runner. 24 seven comps him to Frank Gore, I believe. Um, and Frank Gore is a player who's kind of relied on um, not athleticism to play as long as he has. Sean, I've got Sean Tucker at number uh, nine. This might be high for Tucker, but he was one of the more productive freshman, true freshman running backs um, in the class last year. At number eight, I've got Jalen Berger. I think I'm higher on Jalen Berger than a lot of people are. Um, he was a player who looked very physical uh, in high school, and I don't know that we have seen the best out of him yet. And why would we, he's played um, one a tr- a COVID truncated season. So I, I have high hopes for Jalen Berger. Number seven, I've got chip train him like every, everyone else. Um, I like the size uh, speed athleticism combination with him. That one's really not hard, um, but I need to take a look at, let's see, Demarcus Bowman is someone I didn't have. And then EJ Smith, uh, I might need to look at those, at those names a little bit. Closer. All right, Burning, who do you got? Let's go. Uh, I guess we could just go six through four. four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost had Bowman in mind. I just, I know you're supposed to scout the player, not the helmet. Florida just rarely does anything with running back. So it, it worried me a little bit with, with Bowman. I, I just, I don't, I don't like his upside compared to those other two guys. But I, like I said, I may be higher on EJ Smith. He's a guy I was pumping up a lot last year, along with this guy who I wanted to move higher, but the other two guys ahead of him produced more. So I dropped him here and that's Kendall Milton, six foot two twenty four star running back out of California uh, is, is at Georgia shows good anticipate anticipation. And I love his vision as I like to talk about, but I think he's got a 
perfect mix of size, speed, power, balance, everything. I, I'm if he did not get hurt last year, I would not be surprised if Zamir White ended up transferring uh, this year and going to play in another school. Like he was coming on and looked like he was going to take over this backfield, uh, but he ended up getting hurt. Uh, what was it? Sprained his MCL in November, right as he was kind of coming on. I think that's kind of what what pushed him back. And then obviously Zamir White, as I talked about, now he's coming back this year. I don't expect I. I I think Samir White's still going to get more carries. I think it might end up being like a 60-40 split. But Kendall Milton is just a fantastic running back. He's that one guy that I think could jump up with those top three. I don't think he catches Bijan, but I don't would not be surprised if by the end of you know the time it's come for these guys to be drafted, if he's not talked about over Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs, I really like Kendall Milton's game. Next for me is Zachary Evans, 5'11", 195.5, star to Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, came uh, started off pretty slow last year. Uh, some of that, I'm sure, due to the off-field stuff that was rumored going on there with what, I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what was going on. There's a lot of rumors stuff going off the field, uh, but he's very explosive, uh, accelerates through the holes quickly. I love the way he's not afraid to kind of lower his shoulder, uh, displays outstanding contact balance as well, decent hands. Um, I think that, obviously, I think Felix just talked about both these guys when we did our running back. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Our, when we, we Summit. Summit, yeah, our our summit rankings. Mm -hmm. He talked about, I think it was Barlow. You know, he's got Barlow there, and I believe Kendry Miller. Um, was it Dugan was actually their leading rusher last year, so I'm sure they're going to use him some more still in the rushing game as well. But Evans, I think he's one of those guys that really, really talented back that I think could shoot up the boards. And then number one for me, or, or six, whatever, for Jace McClellan, a four-star prospect from Alito, Texas, 5'10", 212. You know, I think he's ideally a perfect running back here. A great combine of speed and uh, ability. He's really good rusher. I think decent vision, good patience, really good catching the ball. I just had a Nate Marchese sent out a text earlier, or a tweet. I saw that. So, Ah, uh, damn it. That was about Devin Achain. I missed my chance to bring that up. Well, we'll talk about that in the after show. Uh, but I know he's got a verified 4540, 3.9 short shuttle. I got off of uh, Debbie Watch there that they posted on there. So, I mean, this dude is going to, I think, take over the Alabama backfield this year. We got to see a little bit of him in that spring game that we called live on air. And I, I think he's in for a, a really good season this year. I know a lot of people think it's going to be Roy Dell or uh, Brian Robinson Jr., but I think McClellan was just too talented to keep off the field. Um, I have those same three guys. I mean, it's not, um, I, I think at this point, most people are going to have some combination here uh, of these three, um, number six for me, like, like you is Milton. And my big thing with Milton, and I guess I don't worry about it so much in a Debbie league, but I do so much C2C stuff now. It's just like, how many touches is he ever going to get in college? I mean, they have James Cook and, uh, Zamir White, Zamir White and, and Dejon Edwards and Yeah. And on and on and on. And then, you know, next year, uh, some of those guys can leave, but some of them can stay too. I would imagine they will. And then they're the favorite for Branson Robinson, who, I mean, Robinson's not going to start over him, but does he, you know, leech a touch, you know, two touches here, five touches there? You know, I don't really know. Um, Branson Robinson, for those who haven't, you know, we talked about Jade on Blue earlier. Branson Robinson um, is my RB2 in next year's class. And he, I can't imagine trying to tackle that man. As a 16-year-old, like you would, he would just hit me and I would turn to dust and it would be over. He's like 225 pounds, dude's a beast. Um, so, so that's my only concern with Milton. Like, do we ever get to fully see him do it in, in college? Or are we going to have to kind of rely on the 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 few touches we get um, 
to form an opinion. That can, that can be difficult. Um, number five for me is Jace McClellan, highest spark guy in the class. Um, you know, like Matt said, I think he's, um, I, I think he's going to, uh, the Bama backfield, I think is going to go back to the times that was before Najee this past year or two, where they kind of split the touches. I, I really, really think that I think Robinson's going to get his, I think McClellan's going to get his, I think, you know, Roy Dell, or if it's Kamar Wheaton, they decide fills that third back role or Keelan Robinson. I, I think two or three guys are going to kind of split that backfield and that's fine. And then we see McClellan take on a little bit more of a responsibility his junior year. Um, and then number four for me is Zach Evans. And Evans is the only one of these three that like you can actually sit down and watch 2020 stuff and like feel good about building an opinion off of that. Um, so I have some more notes on Evans here. I have he he has that slashing running style that is kind of like Cam Akers or you know ETN, but like I I don't I don't necessarily see ETN when I watch him, but I see a lot of Cam Akers. I think they're very, very similar players. Um, Evans is a little small. Now he has the frame to bulk up. Like you can clearly see it, but, uh, TCU has a bunch of guys like this. Like Quentin Johnson's the same way. He's like a stick. They need to feed these guys. It's Texas. There's barbecue. Just feed them, feed these guys. I don't know what the deal is. Um, but so I need to see Evans gain a little more weight, but beyond that, you know, he excels in a one cut, uh, you know, type running style. Um, I think he'd be perfect in, in a zone, especially if it's a, if it's kind of more of an outside zone team in the NFL, Nice pad level, but he does, and I think back to his size, I think he lacks a little pop you know, behind his pads when he's running. I, I want to see him gain a little bit of weight, see if that fixes that issue. Um, but he does have the tools to be a very good pass catcher. Um, he has this really nice catch against Oklahoma, if you guys can find the tape for that, where he, um, you know, they, they, he kind of breaks out of the backfield, settles into the zone in the middle of the field, quarterback scrambles right, he adjusts, uh, makes a great extended catch between two defenders, and then splits right up the field. It's, it's a great play, and it kind of shows... Uh, what he can do there. Um, and he is an NFL quality athlete. He really, really is. Like Matt said, you know, he, he has the, the athletic ability to succeed. I just want to see him get a little bit bigger and show that he can handle more workload, which I think it will be coming his way shortly. He's going to have to put on the weight because a uh, friend of the show, Brandon Lejeune has recently posted a, a video of all of um, Evans's touches this season. And he just goes down way too easy. Very good athlete. He has some good speed, but I want my running backs to be versatile with the way that they can break uh, tackles and make defenders miss. And he is not versatile yet. And so I, I think I, I actually had him ranked um, five. Uh, I think I'm going to move him to six. My six was Jace McClellan. Um, I think just McClellan has shown more versatility, even only, you know, having 147 yards or whatever it was last year. But, and in the spring game, um, just a very versatile skill set has a good athletic uh, base to uh, increase his athleticism. Um, Austin, I agree with what you said about. Uh, uh, Alabama splitting touches in that backfield because they had Roydell Williams running with the ones. Um, Kamar Wheaton wasn't there in the spring game. Um, uh, Brian Robinson didn't play, but you had Roydell Williams clearly running with the ones and Jace McClellan running with the twos. You know, I went back and looked at Williams. He's not a better player than McClellan, not, not at all. Um, so I have to believe that that was just so that they could get reps with one line with one team. But I, I think McClellan is clearly the better player, but so I've got Jace McClellan. I'm going to put Jace McClellan at six, Zach Evan, uh, excuse me, Jace McClellan at five, 
Zach Evans at six, and then I've got Kendall Milton at four. Um, I mean, you can see my preference for the type of running back based on how I have these guys ranked. I like size and speed and, you know, guys who have NFL frames already. And I think that all this, these, at least these top five, uh, they have uh, body types that are commensurate with their playing style. Milton's more of a bruiser. Um, you know, Zach Evans isn't going to be 220 pounds, but he's a slasher. So you don't need him to be. If he gets to 210 pounds, that would be just fine. If he gets to 205, 208 pounds, that would be just fine. Um, just add that receiving game. So do we want to go through? I mean, everybody's got Bijan one, right? And who who do you all have two? I've got Gibbs two. Bruning, who do you I have two? I have Bigsby two. We talked about Austin, it. Austin, you got yeah. yeah. I have Gibbs too. Very, very close. You know, it's splitting yeah. hairs, but yeah. it is splitting hairs. And I mean, the hair that's being split is if if Gibbs goes to an offense that utilizes its running back in the passing game, like what the Green Bay Packers have done more recently with Aaron Jones. I think that you're going to want to prefer um, uh, Jameer Gibbs because of how he can be used. So that's uh, that's why I have Gibbs number two. Is that passing that that passing production or so receiving I wanna, production? I should say. Uh, I want to add one thing on Milton because I, I want to see if this maybe changes your mind some, Austin. Because in my opinion, Georgia is running back you from the the running backs that they put out in or at least put into the NFL the past couple of years. So you go back and you look at the production the guys they had. And I just I just went back to 2014 really quick. Chubb 219 carries, Gurley 123. Now I believe Gurley was hurt a couple of games in that season, but still both those guys have a ton of carries. And Georgia is as a very run heavy offense. 2015, Michelle 218, Chubb 92 also got hurt that year. This year though, both of them very fully healthy. 2016, Chubb 224, Michelle 152. 2017, Chubb 223, Michelle 156. 2018, Swift 163, Elijah Holyfield 159. 2019, Swift 196, Heron 103. 2020. Obviously, the COVID season, Zamir White, 144. The next closest was Kenny McIntosh at 47. So you're clearly you're seeing there's not that big of a gap between that first and second running back in carries every single year outside of the two years that those guys got injured. So if Zamir White goes in and say you go back to the 200 carries or right around that that the other guys were giving him, if Milton's only getting 50 carries less than that, what makes you worried about him not getting the carries? Because, again, I think he's better than Zamir White. So if Zamir White's getting 196 and then Milton's getting 140, I think he can clearly produce with 140, especially because he's also, in my opinion, a better receiver on the backfield than uh, than Zamir White. And I don't think they're going to pull him off the field to put James Cook out there. No offense to James Cook. He's not that see, good. I, see, I do. I think they'll play okay. James. I think James Cook outtouches him this year. So I think maybe you have those – you know, maybe James Cook gets 140 carries. 140 touches, you know, between pass catch. Like, I think they just like him. I, I think the coaching staff does. Um, that, and so and Zamir, Zamir White is a fine pass catcher. He's not going to run down the field, but as an – I mean, I, yeah, I don't – but he's not Kendall I, Milton, I, I, in my opinion. He's not Kendall Milton. I'm not saying he's not a good pass catcher. I would take Kendall Milton's mm-hmm. hands over Zamir White. All right, well, those are our 2023 running backs. Um, we recently uh, – uh, Fan tracks opened up so we could draft all of these guys in our C2C leagues and your C- in your startup leagues. And we tweeted a promotion out to just uh, do a quote tweet of uh, the promotional tweet. And we have a winner of the one year C2C subscription. Can I get a drum roll, gentlemen? 
<laughs> my, my mic's too muted. good now. It won't it won't pick so. up this anymore. You know, but 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 all right. The winner of the one year C2C or campus to subscription is Josh Goldberg AGP. Josh Goldberg AGP is the winner. So thank you, uh, Josh, for participating in that promotion. Um, you can, I guess, DM me and I'll figure out how to get how to get you in the league or get you into the uh, to the website. We are giving away more stuff. We talked last week. Uh, last week was a, we announced that we are going to do a Debbie debate campus to Canton League. Of course, me, Matt, Austin. Um, I think Triple Flex on the on the college side. Fourteen teams, and we asked. We didn't give any criteria. We just said, "Hey, give us an entry. Tell us why why you should be in the league." And we got some good ones, but this is by far the best one. This is. Uh, from Logan M. Holtz, who's, I'm telling you right now, he's in the league. He gets the damn show, but I want to read. Um, this is the standard. This is what you guys are are, are uh, living up to. You got to beat this. To Felix, Matt, Austin, and team, to all of you, I've been a fan of the Debbie Debate since it started as banter on Twitter with some live streams. I was getting fatigued with some of the fantasy content and podcasts I was consuming. But once you guys started doing this podcast, it was something like a breath of fresh air. Debbie was my biggest interest starting a couple of years ago. Now I can't do a league that isn't either deep Debbie or C2C. And a large part of that interest is from the content you guys produce. I appreciate you all and would love to join the C2C, the C2C Listener League. He goes on. For Felix only. I don't know if you've heard the next big name at Texas, but it's Troy O'Meary. Scoop him up now before he explodes. Also, Jake Hayner will absolutely win some people some C2C leagues. Can't wait to be a part of the Lister League and watch No Ohio State crumble this year. Go Blue. That's just great. For Matt only, Garrett Wilson has always been my wide receiver my 2022 wide receiver one with Olave close behind. Also, who wouldn't think Grant Gannell uh, can be an NFL talent as well as winning you some college champions, college championships. Crazy, crazy undervalued. Look forward to being a part of the Listener League and cheer on the Ohio State to a national championship and watch them embarrass Michigan per usual. For Austin, only. I know you take this word very seriously, but it's warranted here. You are an elite co-host. I come in for the depth, uh, the depth Debbie, especially the, the deep Debbie, especially incoming freshman analysis. And I stay for the riveting lukewarm takes. Watch for Pitt to make a run in the inexperienced ACC th this year. Looking forward to being considered for the Debbie Debate Listener League. In all seriousness, you guys are awesome and balance each other out very well. I love the show and hope to be a part of the Listener League. Keep killing it. Ski you, my row the boat. Kalamazoo, stand up. Go Gophers. Um, that is awesome. That's an awesome, an awesome entry. That's someone who is paying attention, who you know knows all of the little inside jokes. That is what that's what we need. We need more entries like that. So um Logan is in. Logan is in. That's four. We need 10 more. I think we got nine entries all together. If you've already entered, you'll be considered if you want to resubmit your entry based on what Logan put out there, go ahead and do that. But um, but just an awesome uh uh Logan, thank you for for that email because it brightened up my day, and I'm sure I speak for both. Austin and Matt on that one. All right. Um, Chris Moxley, get in here. Oh, 
Oh, did I miss hold something? On, hold on one second, Chris. We did we did get a question that we wanted to answer. Um, oh, okay. Get that finger out of my face, Mister Moxley. Um, <laughs> you can you can tell me what right, I go, got wrong here in a minute. Go away, Chris. Go away. Right. We just. So, uh, Dark Sage on, on Twitter asks, he's curious in the NCAA if they would ever let Army or Navy in the college football playoffs if they had an undefeated record and, let's say, defeated some of the best teams in the nation. I know the military schools have strict rules on who they want, but let's say one day Army Navy were ranked in the top 10. Would the NCAA allow them in the playoffs, or would they take the liberty of the slot the other teams because of – I am i want to keep like paraphrasing. I'm pretty sure he's asking just that if they ever get in. I don't think so. Uh, because I don't think even I mean, if they go undefeated, even if they expand the playoffs, I would think there's going to be schools from the other conferences who are going to get voted in just because it seems like a stretch to even just allow like a G5 school in. And so if they're struggling to get one of those in, I don't know why they would let an Army or Navy into the playoffs. I'd love to see it because I, I, I would be really curious to see how some of these teams handle like the triple option or whatever Navy and Army is running, but I don't know if they'd ever make it into the playoffs. This is the scenario that you create when you play the NCAA video game and you set up your schedule so you play the number one team first, yeah. then you play the number two team second, and you play the number three team third. And also has no idea what playing. you're talking about. Uh-huh, he doesn't. Uh-huh, he's too he's uh-huh, too young. Uh-huh. Yeah. He never he doesn't know. But um I I mean I I mean in the hypothetical that he that he put forward, I can absolutely see um them getting in if there was an eighth spot for example or definitely if there was a 12th spot they they could sneak in but quite frankly i just don't think that their strength of schedule and i don't think that they would beat the teams that they would need to beat to get into a playoff even in an expanded scenario all right let's get chris moxley back in here chris moxley um uh uh give us our airs what tell 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 matt bruning what he got wrong well the for the first one matt bruning was right he, uh, Sarkeesian makes $5.2 million a year, but I would like to add on that he has two dealership cars and 20 hours of private plane usage a year, which pretty cool perk, even though he's just outside the top 10 of coaches' salaries. Um, the other one was that although Maryland's rising, I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention Rutgers, who has the 41st recruiting yeah. class this season and is the seventh in 2022. They also posted four top 23 classes in the last seven years of Shiano's tenure. So before we start declaring Maryland number two, let's look at Rutgers. Uh, the third one was, you said Harris is a slightly better athlete than Lloyd. I don't think that's true. Lloyd is, has a better 40, a better vert, and his spark score is 115 to Harris's 110. So Marshall Lloyd's a better athlete. Uh, the final one was that Jason Cullen actually had 100 more yards than you mentioned, and you shortchanged him about a buck. So uh, apologies to the McClellan family that Felix uh, messed up your yardage. Notice none of those were me. Wait, wait, when did I say that he was, I never said Kevin Harris was a better athlete than Marshawn Lloyd. No, Felix. Oh, Felix. Oh, okay. I was like, what did I? What I'm was sitting like, here what? yelling and nobody's hearing me. Yeah, no, no. I'll bring yeah. Moxley back. Get him, Moxley. Get him. I had to sit there yeah. and take my punishment in the first episode. I thought that was all me. I was like, what the? When did I say half this shit? Hey, I I gave you I gave you a shout out at the beginning for getting the uh, the salary for Sarkeesian right. We had, I had to correct Felix a bunch this episode. How do I mute? How do I mute Chris Moxley? All right, that uh, you check out the content around the campus, uh, around campusdecant.com, including undervalued QB breakout candidates in 2022 by Matt Bruning. Keeping the faith, or no, that was like uh, check out um, 
Alfred's interview on Why Wait Till Sunday with Pete Overzet. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning for Austin Nace and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks in the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.